and welcome to the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name is Laura Stevens, and I'm a creative content producer here at GDS. For this month's episode, we're going to be taking a look at Gov.uk Pay. Gov.uk Pay is the government's payment platform, letting service teams across the public sector take payments quickly and securely. It's hit a few milestones this year, as it's now used in more than 400 services in around 150 organisations. These services include applying for a blue badge, sending money to someone in prison, and further afield in many British embassies around the world as part of the Apply for an Emergency Travel Document Service. And since it started in 2015, Government UK Pay has processed more than 10 million payments to the total value of more than 537 million. And today, we're going to hear from users of Government UK Pay from central and local government. And we're also talking to Miriam and Steve from the Government UK Pay team to hear about the product, its features, and where it's going next. So welcome, Miriam and Steve. Um, please, could you both introduce yourselves and what you do on Gov.uk Pay? Um, Miriam first, please. Hi, I'm Miriam Rains. I am a product manager on Gov.uk Pay. And hello, I'm Steve Messer. I'm also a product manager on Gov.uk Pay. I gave a brief introduction to Gov.uk Pay at the start, but um, I was hoping that you could both uh, maybe explain a bit more about what it is and how it helps service teams across the public sector. So could you describe a bit more about the product, please? So Gov.uk Pay is like a part of the government as a platform program. And the basic idea behind that is that um, service teams across government and local government have to do a bunch of the same stuff in order to move users through transactional services. So loads of people have to pay for things inside of a service. People have to um, apply for things. They have to receive emails, that kind of stuff. Um, And there was an idea a while ago to turn um, those common problems uh, and solve them with like components, common components. Um, And that's where the products from government as a platform come from. Um, and there's sort of two parts to pay. There's the bit that the paying user would see, and they're one of our key groups of users. So these are the payment pages that will ask for your um, card details and give you sort of helpful guidance and you know helpful error messages. Um, make it really easy to pay. They're really accessible. They're designed in line with the service standard and design system, and they're intended to be really easy to use. And we're really regularly user testing those to give a sort of consistent, trusted experience for users who are paying online across the public sector. And then there's the other part of pay, which is for our other group of users, which is public sector workers. So that is civil servants in central government and arms length bodies. It is police uh, teams. It's finance people or digital team, local government or the NHS. And this allows you to set up and manage your services to take payments to really easily see um, what money you've had come in and make uh, issue refunds and to track cases and applications and transactions. Again, very much designed to be as simple to use as possible. We don't want to make this something that needs like a whole lot of training. We want it to be really intuitive. Okay, so how does Gov.uk Pay work with the service? So you can plug pay into your service. So if you've already got an existing online service, you um, your users are on that service, they're paying for their license, they're paying for they're making an application. At the point in which they're ready to pay, they're transferred over to pay. It should look really seamless for that user so that it doesn't feel like jolting, that they're going somewhere unexpected. That user can then really easily pay and is redirected back to that service. Um, so that's when we do it in a sort of fully automated, integrated way. And we've also got options for teams that don't have digital services to really be able to take payments online instead of taking payments via a check or expecting someone to call up and pay over the phone, which we know can be time consuming. It can be quite expensive to handle those. Um, you're much more restricted on the hours that you're able to manage those payments. So we've got those two, those two options for the different users. And can you describe some of the services it's been used in? 
Yeah, we've got so a whole range of services. We've got some that are really um, big central government services right through to, um, as I mentioned, ours, we were open to local government, to NHS um, and police forces as well. So at sort of big central government level, um, we work with DVLA, we work with um, uh, the passport office. So if you're making a digital application for a passport, you'd be paying um, on gov.uk pay. We work with some national services like um, Blue Badge. So we support... Um, lots of local authorities to handle blue badge payments right down to um some really like small services that don't see a lot of transactions we can have like yacht racing certificates if you want to pay for an image of uh, field marshal montgomery at the national archives you can pay for that using pay it's quite quite a variety it's absolutely fascinating seeing all the things that government handles money for so you mentioned there um how some of the people who use it are from health and also from local government and central government and I've got here as a brief history, we started off in 2015 with central government departments, then opened up to local government in 2017. And then in 2018, the health sector started using gov.uk pay. But I also wanted to talk about some of the successes that have happened this year, because this year has been a big year for gov.uk pay. I see from Steve's week notes every week, there seems to be a new headline. So I just wondered if you could take me through some of the highlights from this year in gov.uk pay. Yep. So I think it was a couple of weeks ago, so um, maybe mid-October, when we had our 400th service go live, um, which was a good milestone. Um, I think compared to last year, there were, I think there was something around about 100 live services. So we've seen a massive increase over the last 12 months, which is fantastic. Um, it's good to see that the product is being used and talked about, but you know, it does mean that we have to work a bit harder now. <laughs> so many more needs coming up, but that's fine. Um, that's what we're here for. Um, I think we've also, uh, just before then, so I think it was around about September, we passed a milestone in the value of payments that we'd taken. Um, and we've now taken well over um, £500 million um, from users and passed that on to government departments. So, you know, half a billion pounds moving through the product um, it's quite a big milestone because, you know, a lot of people on the team remember when the first quid went through. But it's also, it, it's... It's exciting to see the benefits that it can generate as well. Um, so um, in our economic model, we know that it can save um, service teams, you know, tens of thousands of pounds in procurement costs and the time that's associated with that. I think we've also seen um, we've been able to sort of respond quickly when teams have needed to get set up with services that are related to sort of COVID support. Um, you know, we are one small part of that massive thing that those services are handling. But if we can make just even the payments bit of it that bit easier and take that burden off the team when they've got all these other things to work on and get people set up really quickly, that felt really valuable. There was another episode just after the lockdown got lifted as well, where like no one was um, applying for fishing licenses because everyone was inside, obviously. And then all of a sudden, um, the, the the break of the stay-at-home order was announced and people could go fishing again. And the number of fishing license applications went from zero to up to something like 2,000 per minute or something like that within an hour. And it was just, it was fascinating to watch like the dashboard just go, boo, 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 and, you know, things start happening. It was, uh, it was very cool. And um Yes, Steve, you actually set that up very nicely as well, because we're now going to hear from the Environment Agency and they are talking about fishing. So <laughs> you clearly got some friends over there. I'm Harun Tarek. I'm the delivery manager for the I Want to Fish team uh, who are responsible for the digital service 
that enables anglers to purchase fishing licenses and submit catch returns. Can you tell me a bit more about what the service uh, provides? So the I Want to Fish team looks after the service which allows anglers to buy fishing licenses, which are legally required by law, um, and also submit catch returns, which basically means that if you go fishing for salmon and sea trout, then we need to know kind of where you've fished, where you've caught, etc., um, so that's what I have to look after. And so um, I wanted um, to just give our listeners some context for this service for anyone who doesn't regularly fish, um, because the numbers involved are quite big, aren't they? I've got here a million licenses are purchased a year. That's right. Yeah. So, so about kind of a million licenses get purchased a year. I mean, just to give some context, um, in England alone, angling is worth 1.4 billion and supports at least 27,000 jobs. Angling is increasingly being used to address mental and physical health, social inclusion. Um, which are key issues in society, especially pertinent in recent times with the COVID-19 pandemic. And can you describe what the licence is? Is it something that's um, on your phone? Is it a physical licence or how does that work? So the, the licence is basically provided via an email confirmation um, and you will typically get a paper card with that licence as well. Um, that is something that we're looking to review going forward. Um, so watch this space. Uh, but at the moment, it, it's a legal requirement. So if you get caught fishing in England or Wales, and you don't have a fishing licence, then it is a prosecutable offence. So it is very important that anglers do have a fishing licence. And how does Gov.uk Pay work with this service? So Gov.uk Pay is our kind of payment services platform. So we use it to process online card payments for fishing licences. We are one of the larger volume services that use pay. So we process between two to 5,000 transactions per day. Um, So from my research, I've seen that when lockdown lifted in summer, there was a huge increase in people who wanted to fish, um, six times, in fact, with a peak of 1,575 applications per hour after the ease of restrictions, when there had been no higher than 252 applications per hour in the previous 30 days. So how did Gov.uk Pay help you process these? So when lockdown restrictions eased, license sales shot through the roof um, and the service cut suitably with the additional load of anglers purchasing licenses over a short period of time. Um, This was made really easy due to the close collaboration between our internal teams that I want to fish and the Gov.uk pay teams making enhancements to the service to cope with the surge in demand for fishing licenses. Gov.uk pay was very good in working with us to understand in terms of um, the potential spike in uh, peak of kind of people buying fishing licenses so we worked with the service to put in improvements and enhancements to facilitate this increase in demand and surge of people buying new fishing licenses um, so effectively we made the systems even more resilient than they already were so they were very resilient anyway um, but just to kind of try and support that additional surge in demand and I'm pleased to report that it did work really well, um, as you've quoted in some of your figures there. Um, sales figures for fishing licenses kind of hit the roof when Boris did kind of ease exercise, exercise restrictions back at the beginning of the summer. Um, so, yes, it, it was very well kind of worked together and, and it worked well for us. Alan, so what features does the Environment Agency make use of WK Pay um, in both now with coronavirus, but also all the time? So I think one of the key benefits of working with Gov.uk Pay as a kind of payment services provider is that it allows us to benefit from platform enhancement. So what I mean by that is as the platform evolves and iterates, then we can kind of gain benefit from that. So one of those examples is the recent card masking feature, which basically masks card payment details uh, when they're entered. Um, one of the other features that kind of is kind of out of the box that we use is the transaction reporting. So we can review kind of transaction volumes and, and look to kind of um, forecast 
any potential peaks, such as you've mentioned, in light of COVID and um, exercise restrictions being eased. One of the other features that I quite like is that if there are any production instances that occur on the service, um, then we have the access to a live issue monitoring alert system, which allows us to track what those are, keep abreast of any updates and help us kind of predict any um, volumes uh, going forward. And looking forward um, with the future of your service, how can Gov.uk Pay help you with that? So we've got lots of exciting stuff coming up on, on the service for us, and I want to fish, um, which you'll have to wait and see. But Gov.uk Pay is our kind of payment uh, platform provider um, as it kind of continues to iterate and add enhancements on the service we will look to kind of gain the benefit from those as we move forward so i've already mentioned about the card masking um, i'm sure there will be other benefits that we'll look to kind of gleam um, and, and take forward so i think that's one of the key things for us is, is having a, a payment service provider that can iterate and, and, and move forward and kind of give us the benefit without us having to kind of spend time and research and money um, in that area. So with the Gov.uk pay team, it's very good. Um, and we've worked well together and look forward to working for in the future. And um, I'll be playing this back to the Gov.uk pay team um, during the podcast. Is there anything you'd want to say to them? Anything, any requests you want to put in for any of these new features? <laughs> Firstly, to say kind of thank you. Um, we've, we've kind of created a really good partnership with all the people that we work with at the team. Um, and very much to kind of continue the good work. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. We're looking at different payment methods, which we're going to be working with Gov.uk Pay going forward on. Um, so watch this space. But for now, thank you. That's just really nice. It's so lovely, lovely to hear. That's wonderful. One, one thing I thought was really good and really interesting to hear about that sort of idea of partnership. I think we really do try and work very closely in partnership with our services. We're sort of regularly talking to services about how they're finding it, you know, what's working well, what's not working well, and really involve all of our users in shaping that future roadmap. So when you're talking about releasing new features and making sure that functionality is available and it's really just sort of like upgrades that get sort of passed through to the teams without them having to do any sort of additional work. And um, all of those sort of things that we build in our roadmap are really based on these conversations with users that come out of the, the feedback that we get from them and trying to understand their needs and expand the way that pay can support that. Yeah, that's that's the cool thing, really. And that's I think that's one of the reasons I get up in the morning as a product manager is that um, the job is never done. There's always more to be doing. So whilst we've created a product which allows government to take card payments pretty easily and simply and then manage those, there's always going to be some other problem around the corner that people need solved. Um, and as you hear from Haroon there, they're sort of looking at other payment methods in the future, um, things that we're interested to explore with people and, uh, you know, are looking at at the moment. And Miriam, to quote your words back at you, um, you, along with Mark Buckley, uh, blogged about the use of GAP products um, with coronavirus. And in there, you said, some services needed to stop taking checks or reduce reliance on call centres as offices close and call centres have fewer staff. Government UK Pay has been able to help these services start taking payments within a day and keep important services running. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to play a clip from Home Office who, like the Environment Agency, are a long-established user of Government UK Pay to hear about their journey with Government UK Pay. Lisa Lowton. Um, I'm from the Home Office and I am the Head Functional Lead for our ERP solution and the ERP solution being the Enterprise Resource Planning Tool that we look after all of our HR and finance activities. 
I know you've worked in the civil service for quite a long time, particularly in finance and project work. Could you just give us a brief description of your career? So my career started, um, I was an accountant in the private sector and decided I wanted to change. Um, and an advert came up to work in the home office as an immigration caseworker. Um, so that's where I started and um, done a number of years as a, an operational caseworker and then moved into the project space. Uh, and that slowly moved me then um, back into finance and looking at ERP systems again. As well as obviously being in civil service for a while, you've also been involved with Government UK Pay for a while, I believe, since its inception back in 2015 under Tilworth at the time, the then product manager. Um, so can you tell me how you used Government UK Pay over the years? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I met Till um, yeah, five years ago, it was, at a civil service um, uh, conference down in London when we were allowed to travel at that point. Um, so, so Till and I met when he was doing a stall and he was, he was talking through payments and and how things were going to be um, done in one place for government. And I, and I kind of really enjoyed um, speaking with Till and, and was quite interested. It was um, literally by chance that about four or five months later, um, where I was working at the time, the Disclosure and Barring Service decided to look at developing a product in-house. Um, and that would mean an element um, of payments that would be taken. So straight away, um, Till came to mind. Um, so that literally was um, the, the start of the journey, really. So that was um, the dis- DBS Basic Disclosure Service, and they, they use all three of the GDS products, so Verify, uh, Notify, and Pay. So we were the first ones to, to go live with that. Um, and it took around two years, and it went live in January 18. And GovPay uh, was obviously a key element of that. So it was really nice to see from inception them conversations in the Civil Service Live to then actually it, it rolling out into that service. So that was where it started. And more recently, I know coronavirus has... Uh, like for many of us, pretty much all of us, have forced you to change some of the ways you take payments and services. So can you explain a bit more about this service and how Pay Pay has helped you with that shift? So we were looking at the the pay portal um, to move all our invoice payments to. So currently our card payments were, are taken through another provider um, and they're kind of a shared service centre as such. And card payments um, are actually talked through manual card terminals, um, which obviously means the, the agents having to obviously be in the office at the time and also the, the number of um, issues that the guys face with their manual um, card terminals, including um, lack of lack of Wi-Fi, um, that, that type of thing was, was also an issue. So we were already looking to move um, the service to pay. It was just by chance um, that COVID came along and meant that there was a real risk that the the guys in in Wales potentially might not be able to be in the office, which meant that we would we would then have a bit of a gap as to how we would take payments um, for invoices that needed to be paid over that period and who who people prefer to pay by card as well. So so that was the opportunity that we had, um, and therefore we we had a conversation um, with your development team as to look at how we could use a payment link in that situation. Um, we put it through our internal governance, kind of through our, our DDAC governance, um, who were really supportive of us in, in, in getting this up and running. And it took around about five weeks um, and we managed to, to get it up and running to be able to provide that as, as a backup service should should the team in Newport not be able to be in the office. And you mentioned payment links there. Um, and I know this is a feature that's been really helpful to you. Could you explain a bit more what, about what a payment link is um, and how it helped you? Yeah, sure. So, was, so as I spoke about before, the, the COVID response um, was how how are we able to um, give customers um, the way to make a payment without having to, to call a call centre, for example, or where the call centre can't take that payment. 
Um, so the payment link was was really handy so that we were able to put um, on the kind of the IVR, so the telephone solution where we can say, uh, you know, we can't take a payment right now. So if you go to this gov.uk and, and provide that information. And also we've put it on a number of, or we are about to put it on a number of um, potentially email, at the bottom of emails that, that go out from the shared service centre, as well as the, the kind of the longer term view we've put on the back of an invoice um, and also on some of the, the penalties, which is also where we need to um, add that payment link to as well. So just on the payment link functionality, really easy to set up, very quick. Um, obviously the, we had some thinking internally as to how we make sure people um, provide the right information because at this point um, we weren't quite sure how how the data would come in, and um, so so that was really easy to set up. And there was a you know we did some internal reviews and to be able to make the changes like we did so quickly, I think there was absolutely um, astonishment because normally when you make changes on on any type of, of portal it normally takes a number of weeks and a number of months and uh, normally has a pound sign on it and that wasn't the case it was all it was all at our fingertips and we were able to change it there and then in the sessions that we were having with the internal business colleagues as well so that that was really good so we've been going for five months now and again this has not been advertised anywhere specific this was only set up for the for people who weren't able to make a payment when they called up um to date we've had just under two hundred thousand pounds of, of um kind of, of revenue coming in um, so, which is great, which which has come through a portal that never existed five months ago. So, so we've got to remember, Candy. You know, some of our customers, you know, don't want don't want to pay. And um, you know, some of these are penalties, and you know, like any anything like that, you, you potentially do struggle to to get the income in. But it does show either how easy the solution is and how people are. The usability of it is really good. Because therefore, we, you know, we've got that promise to pay, you know, over 90%, which, which is superb. And what other features have you used? Because one of the advantages of going to gov.pay um, was that, obviously, as the payment industry develops, um, gov.pay are absolutely there at the, at the front end of this. And, and a recent example, or maybe not that recent, but, you know, 12 months ago when um, Apple and Google pay, we're, we're very much kind of hot on the heels of, of how people want to pay. Um, that was something that, as part of when I spoke about before the disclosure bar and service basic service, that's something that we wanted to use. Again, it gives people the opportunity to, you know, more more opportunity to pay through however they want to pay. Um, it was just a really good um, example of where you guys had built the technology and all I did was click a switch and that was it. And my, and my customers were then able to pay by Apple and Google Pay. And, and that for me was a real key benefits because it was something similar that we were looking at in another area of the service which potentially would have cost that organization um quite a lot of money so that so that is that is something that i'll always remember that first kind of i suppose it's an enhancement as such of how that work was done you know in gds and that we were all able to benefit from it and that's something that i want to kind of make sure that people are aware of these type of things and the benefits of moving to gov.uk pay and um when i'm playing this tip back to uh the gov.uk pay team is there anything you'd want to say to them or any requests you have <laughs> or anything else? <laughs> um, so so firstly it is a massive thank you and and I guess it's it's just what I suppose you know when I think about how how can we make this service better we've got to get the words out there so things like this podcast um you know other other advertisements that we can do that I can do as a department to try and sell this service will only help longer term and will also mean that you know the, the guys back in the GDS office or in the or in the living room or wherever they are now understand that the important job that they do for central government um, it's very easy for people in the back office not to understand the impact 
um, of the of the front line. And, and I can give you an example, really a quite recent example of um, conversations that we're having with our colleagues at the border um, who want to be able to make sure that they've got access to see information um, kind of 24 hours a day. You know, our operation does not close down in the home office. It absolutely stays open. 24 hours a day and we are now working with them and using the pay using the pay portal to provide them some information to which um that they're, they're over the moon with and uh, with still early days um but just you know just for me to, to hear these guys tell me the impact of having this information 24 hours a day was was quite emotional if, if i'm being honest and sometimes people like ourselves and people in gds might not see that front-end impact but it absolutely does it, it does make a difference and we need to make sure that we always keep that in mind is that's why we're doing it i'm really happy here lisa's happy lisa's been such a great advocate for pay um and you know we, as she said we've been working with her you know for the last sort of five years through various through her various jobs that have taken her to different parts of central government as pay has grown and changed and been thinking about the new things that we can offer and hopefully you know it sounds like she's had some benefits from from using us and from the things we've been able to add but we've also gained hugely from like getting her insight into what it is like to be a finance person in central government like how how can that work better what are the problems they've got what are the things that we can help with to make that easier so she's been really great with her time sort of sharing that information with us so that's one of the things that really excites me is thinking about these different scenarios that people are in um, when they do need to pay government so they might be uh, on their way to work on the bus using their phone and they don't really want to like have the hassle of sort of you know uh, going through a government service really they have to do it um, but knowing that they can just like come along to government uk go to a service fill in a form use pay to pay us and then get on with the rest of their life quickly, simply and easily, I think is the value of what we do. I sort of, I did actually wonder what are the different devices you can use to pay government on? Because not everyone has access to the latest smartphone or a laptop or a computer or that sort of thing. Um, so I had a bit of a play uh, using some devices that might be more common, but are a bit easier to get hold of, like a really old Kindle. So it's nice to know that, you know, anyone, no matter their digital access or requirements, they should be able to just pay government and get on with their life. Any other devices or just the Kindle? I know we've had we've heard before that um, WK has been accessed by a PlayStation. Services have been used on that as well. <laughs> yeah, PlayStations, games, consoles. I've used it on a TV as well. That's like quite common. So, you know, loads of people have smart TVs, but might not have a smartphone. So you can use it on that. I don't know what else I've tried it on. That's it. I need to try it on the very first web browser and see if it works on there. I'm hoping it does. Um, that's a bit of time traveling if you do that. It's quite fun. And yes, before we hear from our final clip, which is from Surrey County Council, I want to talk about local government. And I want to talk about the collaborative project with local authorities and the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, or MHCLG. Could you tell me a bit more about that, what it was and what you found out about it? So yeah, MHCLG had set up the local digital collaboration unit um, and GDS has been working very closely with them to support that. They had a fund that local authorities could apply for to help solve common problems. Um, and so uh, local authorities could form uh, groups, partnerships with other local authorities looking at the same problem, apply for money to investigate that either at sort of a discovery level or at a sort of alpha level if they'd already done some work on this in the past. And there were a group of local authorities led by North East Lincolnshire um, that included um, 
a, a few other local authorities of different sizes and different sort of geographic uh, places from around the country who wanted to look at how they could make Government UK pay easier to use and make it more sort of widespread within local government. They saw there's an opportunity there, but they wanted to understand you know, why wasn't it necessarily being used more? How could they um, check that it was meeting the needs of local government as well as central government and just sort of understanding the, the case for using pay? So we worked with them January 2019. And it was really, really interesting. We travelled around to lots of different local authorities. We watched um, finance teams and caseworkers sort of doing their jobs, what they, tools they were using um, at the moment, tried to understand what the current payment platforms that they use, what were the sort of good things about that, what were the pain points around that, how pain might be able to address it now with the functionality we had at the time, and what things we might need to do to um, enhance pay. So again, basing our future roadmap entirely on the feedback that we've got from users, making it much easier to use, and um, thinking about some specific issues for local, um, for local government as well. And I think it's been really beneficial, so we've been able to do some of the changes that we looked at. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great actually if everyone could go to our website and look at the roadmap <laughs> and just like let us know if something's not on there or definitely let us know if something's on there and you're excited about it um this kind of feedback is what helps us make pay great and make it work for people um and now we're going to hear um from a local government user from surrey county council My name's uh, David Farkerson and I work at Surrey County Council and I'm a developer who works in our integration team, which is a team that is specifically co concerned with um, system integration. And part of that integration is the online payment solution. So could you tell me how you came across Gov.uk Pay? Um, yes. So my first exposure to uh, GovUK.pay um, was when we implemented our blue badge scheme. As part of that, there's a payment that has to be made. We implemented a government solution that as part of the end-to-end the -end system incorporated the GovUK.pay um, platform for online payments and the GovUK.notify for the uh, messages and notifications. Um, so that was my first exposure to it. Um, and as we implemented it, I was quite impressed by what it was offering. Um, and so decided to do an assessment of whether it would be a solution that we could look at for our whole council online payment strategy. So yes, sorry, you came across Gov.uk Pay through the blue badge. I also wanted to ask about how Gov.uk Pay helped Surrey County Council during coronavirus. On a blog post on the GDS blog, there was a quote from Surrey County Council talking about a service that was set up in one day using Gov.uk Pay. Yes, I mean, we had a particular example where we needed to take, for COVID-19, um, we needed to take uh, payments for a crisis fund. So um, it was a, a sort of fund set up where people could donate money to help people that was in immediate problems due to the COVID-19 um, issue. Um, and as a result, we needed to get something up as quick as possible to start taking that money. Um, and so we used the payment links function that uh, is provided by GovUK.pay which is an extremely quick way of getting up a payment page and taking those payments uh, online. Um, so that was the particular one that we are probably talking about. But since COVID-19, we've already set up a number of additional live services 
some using um, the payment links and some using more in-depth integration. And so what features does Gov.UK Pay have that make it helpful to you as somebody working in local government? The Gov.UK.Pay platform underpinned fully by um, the accessible REST APIs, which enable uh, developers and local authorities like ourselves to build custom add-ons and to access data and information from the system and embed it in some of our external applications and also allows us to do things like journaling for our ledger which we by accessing the apis and the documentation and support for developers is excellent it's um, accessible on the website so if anyone went to your website and looked there's a documentation section and it's excellent on the apis and how to use them in fact on the whole on the whole admin site and how to integrate it's it's very good for that and the um, support both online from the call logging system and telephone support has also been very good and responsive to our needs we've also actually been in personal discussion with some developers from your team and they're very willing to speak to us and listen to our requirements and we've actually in conjunction with them requested some additions and amendments that they have actually uh, now developed and put live. Another major advantage is how quickly it is to set up a test service on the admin site. It literally takes minutes. But you can start, your developers can start carrying out um, initial developments and proof of concepts very quickly. So we were able to do that. And it fits in with an agile development approach as well. So you can quickly get something up very quickly, show your... um, your customers so they immediately get an idea of what it is they're going to be getting we've touched on the payment leaks feature but um, again that's a very nice feature for if you are looking at taking uh, online payments that you don't need to integrate with another system and are fairly simple in their nature you can set that up literally in in a day you could have something up um, and have a url that you can put out for people to take uh, to make online payments we also found that each service so you set up so we at sorry we've got 50 plus payment services that take online payments and that's growing all the time as well so each one of those we call a different service so they could be completely different things from highways to education to you know music tuition so a lot of different um services involved and each of those is set up as a separate service in the uh, gov pay admin site and you can then control the security and the access to those services. If you're using the admin site and using the admin site for your users, you can control the user security so that they only see the service they're responsible for. And so in the council where we've got a, a very disparate level of services and of users, that um, was very useful to us. So, I mean, that's just an example of the advantages, but... Um, you know, I think there are more, but uh, that's um, why we change our whole strategy, which is to move over to the GovUK.Pay platform. So if Pay didn't exist, um, how would that have impacted your work at Surrey? We possibly would have had to have built a similar thing ourselves. Um, so it's probably saved us a lot of our own in-house development work that would have also been specific to Surrey County Council and one of the things we're looking at with this is the hope that this might lead to more of a a standardised local government approach as well. We've been in talk with social local authorities because then we can share our experiences, we can look for joint improvements rather than working independently 
and developing separate solutions. And I think there is a benefit in terms of costs going forward for local authorities to do that. Um, if any of our listeners are from local government um, and want to know a bit more, um, how would they get in touch with you? If anyone wanted to you know, follow up on any of the, the comments I've made or ask us how sorry we've um, approached some of these issues, I'd be more than happy to uh, talk about that. Um, I think the easiest would be to contact me on my work email address, which is david.farkerson, which I better spell, F for Freddie, A-R-Q-U-H-A-R-S-O-N, that's S for sugar, S-O-N, at surreycc.gov.uk. So just um, drop me an email and I'll either get back an email or I can uh, contact the person. But uh, no, I'd be more than happy to do that. Sorry, been like really um, good supporters of of Pay, and we it's good to hear David say we've worked really closely with them. We've done like a couple of um, really useful research sessions with them, and yeah, as you mentioned, we were able to release some changes pretty recently based on feedback that they'd given us. And yeah, that's really it's really positive. Um, and would you say there, what um, David was talking about, the sort of experience of WK Pay, is that typical for a local government um, user of WK Pay? Yeah, so there's, it's actually interesting. We've got some uh, local government users who do sort of split everything out. So they've got a different service in pay for every different type of transaction. And then they can sort of really carefully manage the sort of nuances of each of those services and who's got access to it. And in some ways that can make sort of, if it works for their process, it can make finance and reconciliation easier. And that was one of the things that we were doing research with Surrey about. There are other teams where they just have one service in pay and they run absolutely every single thing through it they've got other ways of handling reconciliation and they like to sort of just keep keep sort of keep quite simple with their sort of interaction with with pay so it will depend on how um teams use it uh, i was thinking about um how gov.uk pay will develop next so we've talked a lot about the various features um since it's launched and there seems like there's been lots of things added and it has adapted with different users different features so what are you thinking about um looking forward in the in your roadmap what's what's on the horizon so there's quite a few things um, because the payments industry has changed quite a lot since the internet came along. Um, you know, it's not only online payments that have been enabled. Um, some exciting, if I can say that, regulation. Exciting regulation does it exist? Yes. Exciting regulation went through in 2017, I think, which is open banking regulation. And this, what this does is it sort of opens up the way that um, you can transact um, with services by using your bank account. Um, previously, it would have been like quite expensive to build these kinds of things, but um, now there is a way for uh, any kind of online service to integrate with uh, an open banking solution and then provide information from your bank account to that service. Um, and also to, to send money as well. So there's quite exciting opportunities there where for people who don't have access to a card maybe could pay by bank account, which in most scenarios is quicker um, and might be simpler for them. Um, I think we also want to be looking at how we can make it cheaper for government services to use gov.uk pay. Um, we are pretty competitive and we work with the market rather than against the market, which means that um, you know services can save a lot of money. Um, but again, there are ways that we can really reduce these transaction costs um, and make it quicker and easier for uh, service teams to convince their governance to <laughs> start using pay. 
yeah, sort of related to that, we've also been um, working very closely with government finance function and government shared services. So we're looking at what their aims and um, ambitions are for sort of better efficiency or sort of automation in those processes in government. And then we're looking at how PAY can sort of support that, how we can be the vehicle to, you know, enable them to roll out these new sort of um, finance standards or data standards and make it easier to have that sort of that same technology used and reused across across government. So that's really that's really interesting. And Lisa has been very helpful in that. She's been very involved from home office as well. And I guess out of all those plans, what excites you both the most coming up in the next few months to work on GovDK Pay? I'm quite excited about so um we do offer a Welsh language service for our services. And so if you're a Welsh language speaker, you can go from start to finish with a completely Welsh journey until pay sends you an email confirming your payment. That's the only bit we haven't done yet. So I'm quite excited to work on that because it means I get to use the people I live with as a test group. They will speak Welsh. <laughs> um, it might make the Christmas dinner quite interesting. <laughs> and Steve's learning Welsh, so yeah. Steve's Welsh too. Yeah, uh, I can show myself up and how poor I am <laughs> at my Welsh. Um, I think we've been thinking about, I don't know if I'm allowed to get excited about invoicing, but I think I might be excited about invoicing. Um, one of the things that Lisa was talking about in her um, service was they're using pay for invoices. And definitely we have teams that are using pay in that way. They might be using our API integration more likely. They're using that payment links functionality. But there's a lot of ways that we could probably make that better and tailor it a bit more to how people share invoices, receive invoices, want to check the invoices have been paid. So I think there's some work there that we can do because um, that can be quite expensive to handle in government. It can be quite manual and um, it can be a bit awkward for users. A lot of the time they might have to make, you know, call up and pay over the phone or something. So we're looking at how we could uh, do that. So that's probably something we might look at in the in the new year. Um, Fab, and if I've um, been listening and I want to find out more um, or I want to get in touch with you, how is best to do so? So probably go to our website, which is payments.service.gov.uk. There you'll be able to find uh, information on what pay is, how to get started, our roadmap that shows you what we're working on now, next, and things that we're exploring. It also has a page that can allow you to get in touch with us. Um, you can contact the support team or get in touch with us to tell us about anything you're excited about. So yes, thank you both. Um, and thank you to all our guests uh, for coming on the podcast today. This is actually my last episode as I'm moving on to a new role in GDS. So it's been great to leave um, on a, such a great product. Um, and you can listen to all the episodes of the Government Digital Service podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And the transcripts are available on Podbean. So thank you again, both. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. That was great.